Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. So I would like to start with a quote by Taylor Swift. Is that okay with you? Sure. I love Tay-Tay. Oh, Tay-Tay, you know her? Mm-hmm. She says, is it insensitive of me to ask you to get your shit together so I could love you? Ooh. What do you think about that? I think Tay-Tay speaks for a lot of us. I like that she says, get your shit together so I can love you, meaning she wants to love you, her, him, whoever him is, but... Um, you have their shit together. I mean, that's but, loving somebody for their potential. I feel like I've been in that situation a million times in my life. Well, I like the idea that you can't love someone even though you want to um, until they are at a place to be loved. That's what's interesting about the quote for me. Mm. To me, it, it just it just rings. It just reminds me of being in that place of loving someone for their potential and being like, if only you would get your shit together, this could work or I could love you more or... It also reminds me of all of our 20s. Mm-hmm. A lot of us. Speaking of getting your shit together, uh, let's talk about... Attraction? Attraction. Let's talk about uh, being chosen, which actually has nothing to do with getting your shit together. No, it or does it? at all. Okay. Um, all right, so let's talk about um, <clears throat> attraction, and Vanessa's actually going to read from the book. Okay, so... We talk about attraction in our chapter, The Lightning in a Bottle is actually dysfunction. And I apologize for my nasally voice. I'm coming off of a cold because toddlers. Um, okay, so actually I think this is your, you, John, but I'll read it. So it says, when we think about attraction, we think about nice butts, or maybe that's just me, which is why I say it's that's yours. That's definitely my part. That's not definitely yours. Yeah. <laughs> and strong arms, piercing eyes, intelligence, banter, humor, similar tastes in books and film and maybe tacos as a shared love language. However, attraction also has an unexplainable, unexplainable undercurrent that no one talks about and that is more powerful than all of the above combined. Let's call it the sticky. The dysfunction between two people that gets mistaken for chemistry. The familiar smell from the rocky and chaotic upbringing we're unconsciously trying to trace. The residue from our stories. There are many other terms for this feeling. Lightning in a bottle, love at first sight, meant to be. We have found through working with clients that I don't know what it is, but there's something about him or when you know, you know, may sometimes be perfectly good explanations for that feeling that draws you to another person, but it may also be coming from an unhealthy place. We're often blind to that possibility because we've been programmed by movies and romance novels and our best friends telling us that what we feel is rare and special and we should just let ourselves fall back willingly with our arms folded and eyes closed but it's a feeling worth examining because it can actually be a red flag. What do you think about that? I wrote this because I realized that, uh, because I used to think attraction meant, uh, you know, the locking of the eyes, um, that whole lightning in the bottle, when you see someone you know. And and I know there's some truth to that, right? I don't want to throw a blanket statement out there saying that if you feel that, that it's not attraction, it's dysfunction. I'm not saying that. Um, But sometimes... What you think is attraction is actually um, maybe what smells familiar from a uh, upbringing of chaos. Maybe it's um, 
like a uh I say one of the one of the way one of the things it could be is the the term that um Freud coined which is repetition compulsion mm. which is this unconscious desire to repeat the same trauma over and over again um in an attempt to overcome or to solve or to master or to fix them. Right and this is why <clears throat> a lot of um my clients have said I keep dating the same people mm-hmm. and uh you know we hear that all the time and the only thing that, that changes is uh the faces but mm-hmm. it's the same dynamic which activates the same shit in us and then we're just chasing our tail and we keep giving ourselves the same relationship experience, which mm-hmm. then cements the same definition, same beliefs. And mm-hmm. then love is a circle. One might say to bring a spiritual component to it. Um, one might say that you continue to do go through the same cycle over and over again until you learn your lesson, right? Until your soul has learned the lessons that it can evolve. And we keep doing the same thing over and over again until that place, until that point, I mean. When, at, uh, at what point in your life did your uh, circle break? When did you stop doing this, the thing? Um, I don't think that I have stopped doing the thing. I think it depends on what thing you're talking about. Um, well, unhealthy patterns, right? I mean, uh, I think I still have unhealthy patterns. I just right. think that I have more compassion for myself now i have more understanding i have more resiliency or like an ability to sit and notice them right like i've really practiced a lot more mindfulness and awareness so i'm aware of them when they happen i can um i can watch the thoughts rather than like act on the thoughts so i don't get swept up in the behavior but i don't think that the unhealthy patterning has stopped mentally if that makes sense or like the drive. Well, it stopped enough where your choice in who you choose to love is different. Because if that hasn't stopped, then you're in something unhealthy again. Not necessarily. Here's what I will say. You are... I actually think I do still have a type. Like, you still fit a lot of the, like the prototype of the people that I've always been drawn to. It's just that I think both of us have done enough work on ourselves where we are self-aware people who can call ourselves on our bullshit, who can, you know, stop those patterns, that kind of thing. So like, if I were to stand back and objectively look at the type of person that I'm usually drawn to, it's usually um, creative, compulsive, um, you know, a little flighty. Like there's like a lot of personality traits that I tend to be drawn to. Brilliant. Brilliant. Sexy. It's those, it's, um, so, so it's, it's, so it's your usual type, but with some tools. Yes. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And Uh, I, I see that as an evolution, right? Yeah, and I, I think it's really good you said that because it's a reminder that, um, yes, of course, we could still have our types and be attracted to who we're attracted to. We shouldn't fight who we're, the type of person we're attracted to, right? But uh, we should also be aware that building a relationship takes um, ability. It takes capacity. It takes tools. So uh, a relationship can't just hang on how hot someone is, right, or how hot the sex is or the chemistry, Um but I, I like your point that it's not that you've changed so much that you suddenly have a whole new different type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you could still like blue. You just, that color just has to come with um, some, some capacity, some tools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, one thing I think that has changed over the years is that I am absolutely not attracted to people that don't have tools. Right. Right. So that comes first for you. Right. Like if I were to meet somebody now who 
you know, was, I mean, let's just say you and I are together and I'm like in the bar and it's like yeah, still some, dating, some whatever, and dude. somebody's super sexy and whatever, yeah. like I might want to take them home, but I know that if I have a conversation with them and I can tell that they've like never been to therapy, you know, don't know how to apologize, like all the things that if I had been able to be aware of in my last relationship were like red flags, I would never have gotten to that relationship kind of thing. Like for example, oh, all my exes were crazy and they start talking about how crazy their exes are and like they take no responsibility, you know what I mean? Like the little red flags like that that I didn't pick up on at the time, like now that would repulse me. Like I would be immediately like, no way. Take them home to do what? Have fun. Hmm. Sexy time fun. I can't imagine you um, doing that because you're, I guess you, you are assertive. Yeah. You hint extrovert. though. You're not like, because um, when I first met you, uh, what, what's interesting is when Vanessa and I first met, I didn't kiss her on the first date and um, we didn't have sex uh, for years. <laughs> It was for a, a few months. It was it was the sixth date, I remember, because after date five, I called Danae and I was like, okay, he's clearly not into me and I'm not waiting any longer. Yeah, but what's, so. in, what's interesting is like, I don't <laughs> think that's that long. And maybe it's because I'm older or from a different generation. It's six dates. And for Vanessa, it was like, oh, well, that's kind, that is kind of a long time. Um, but I didn't get anything from you uh, that hinted that you wanted it. I felt like you were passive and that you were waiting for me to make the moves. And this is why I'm Not saying, true, well, okay. well, this is why I'm saying I can't imagine you going into um, a bar and taking someone home for the night. I, I, it doesn't seem like your, your style. Um, you say not true, but what did you do when we met that hinted that for me to... I don't remember. That was so long ago. I do I do know that I I believe that I am probably... Actually, not I believe. I know that I show up differently when I am interested, oh, interested. in somebody past just physical so, so, versus going okay. into a bar, getting drunk, and be like, I'm going to bring this guy home to fuck tonight. Like, I have a very different mentality when I'm, like, in that zone. So, like, let's say 20s, So, well, if after our first 30s, date, you're like, okay, I don't see a relationship with him. But, you know, I, there's chemistry. There's chemistry. I want to, I want to just take him home. W- what would have been different think, that night? I don't think I wouldn't. I don't think anything would have been different because yeah. the way that you left our first date with that, like, awkward half cheek, half mouth kiss, I probably would have been like, eh, whatever. There's nothing there. And I would have just let it go. But because but, I was interested in you, I wanted to see where it would go from there. If I had had a conversation with you and I was like, this guy's a dud, but he's hot and I want to have sex with him. And that's how that night ended. I probably would have just never called you again. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Why would you judge my... Uh, so what happened was I tried to... I, I didn't know what to do. I was, trying to, I was like, should I kiss her mouth or should I kiss her it cheek? It was cute. It was fumbly. And, and I ended like on her... Um, somewhere between like the... Uh, my ear uh, like and my a, lips. Like, a laugh, <laughs> like one of our laugh lines or something. But um, if that's what you got from me, but if you thought I was attractive, why would you let that hold you back why, why would that be the determining factor? If it you want something, ter- why wouldn't you just It wasn't the determining it? factor, but I'm very good at reading people. So like... Oh, you the, thought I was into you. Right. So oh, like the, how the evening progressed. Like let's say we had had a conversation and I was like, oh, this isn't going to go anywhere, but I just, I'm just into him and I want to hook up. The way that our evening progressed, it, you did not seem like that's what you wanted. So I would have just let it, I would have let it go. Do you know what I'm saying? But because I actually was interested in you and I wanted to see if this could go further... I was like, okay, I'll let that simmer for a while. Yeah, you know what's interesting? You look so confused. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about it. I remember (laughs) the um, inner workings of my mind. I think I think if I knew it was just gonna be like some crazy sexual experience, I would have been more aggressive and assertive, you know. But I thought because 
oh wait, this is someone you know who is smart and um, beautiful and uh, has capacity, and 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 this could be a relationship. I think because of that, I switched gears. I went from you know fifth gear to fourth gear. I wanted to slow it down so I could get to get to know you more. I appreciate of, that. Yeah, instead of like just trying to get on. Get Which on is you. usually like if I if I'm really into somebody in a way that I think this could be something, I I do tend to slow it down myself as well. That's why I'm saying, had I only been in it because I wanted to hook up with you, it would have been very different. That's it's why a- I came back after six days. <laughs> I kind of I, I kind of wish we could go back and I wish I could see the side of you that would take someone home for a one night stand just to experience that side of you. Yeah, Not that, that it would be that different, I'm sure. That person was a very different person, I think, at the time than what you're seeing now. My, my late 20, my 20s, early 20s, early 30s, single person self. Yeah, but it's kind of a fantasy. It could sure. be kind of hot, you know, as long as that person... As long as that person isn't that person as far as, you know, everything else. Um, Actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I, you know what? I'm going to embrace that side of me because I'm replaying what I just said back in my mind. And actually, I shouldn't say that as if I have somehow evolved past that person because there's no fucking shame in being that person, especially as a woman. There's no shame in being the woman that walks into a bar and says, that guy's hot. I'm going to fuck no, him No, I don't tonight. think there's any shame No, in I'm that. not saying you're saying yeah, that. Yeah. I'm saying it to myself. Like, I realized as I was saying it, I'm saying it as if... There's something about that quote-unquote version of myself that I have somehow evolved past. And I shouldn't say that. It's a part of who I am. I am very aggressive, and when I want something, I go and I take it. And if that's sex or if that's a job, it doesn't matter. That's part of my personality. And if a woman wants to just go out and fuck somebody, then she goes out and fucks Sure, somebody. absolutely. That, um, was, that was my little cheerleader moment to myself where I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I wonder, and I think I have experienced parts of that. That's not like you've completely, you know. It usually just, catches you off guard when I, when I do it. Yeah, I mean, there's been, you know, I remember we uh, had a date night um, in a hotel room in Los Angeles. And um, I, so I, I tend to like, you know, kinky things. And I, I like. Um, you need to go into too much detail. Kinky's not too much detail. I'm not going to go further than that. Um, but, but I felt like, um, I felt like that night, uh, you, you let yourself be more like that, like a wild kind of 20 something. And I think I got a, I remember I, I thinking that, oh, this is, um, a side of you maybe I, I haven't seen before. Uh, so it's, it, it comes in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like all parts of ourself, right? Like yeah. we're not, we're not always standing in that part of ourself all the time. Like any part of ourself. Yeah. I, at the same time, have calmed down a lot. And, you know, you may be thinking, well, fuck, if this is your calm, what were you like when you weren't calm? Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I've calmed down a lot in the, the, be- uh, the bedroom. Yeah, I think also, though, like being, and I know a lot of Older. people relate to this, like age, but also I think being a mother, being a parent. It, and I'm not saying it well, can't. Well, more co- a mother than a father. Yeah. Like it hasn't changed me. I think I biology-wise it's changed you. They can coexist for sure. Like you can be a mother and be a sexual being, of sure. course, and you should be. Um, but especially early motherhood, right? Like our little one's only a little over two. Um, I feel like I am only just now like finding my relationship with my body again. Yeah. And like it's been two years. kind of feeling sexy sometimes. And like, you know, so I, I think that, or just in general, mentally, like be, motherhood is such a, it's such a masculine energetic that when I'm in mom mode and I'm in like do and go and, and like schedules and things have to do this, whatever, it's really hard to shift out of like the masculine headspace into like a feminine 
sexual headspace. And so it's, again, early motherhood especially. Yeah, and I got to say, um, of course, I'm not speaking for all men, but I mean, uh, for, for myself, I think it's very easy to skip that, ignore it, to not realize what it takes to like push a child out of your body and then um, how your relationship with your body could change and then just the world, the your everything with from breast to, you know, what was, uh, I mean, like, if, you, if you think about breasts, they go from, you know, uh, something that is, uh, 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 can be used, you know, uh, sexually to then now they're feeding your child and then to go back, it's such an adjustment. So I think a lot of men, um, don't take that into consideration. I mean, even me, I think I wasn't, uh, you know, I just assume, oh, you have a baby. Okay. It's been two weeks. We're good now. Let's go. And it's, um. I can't understand what you must have gone through uh, slash are still going through as far as you're with your relationship with your body. Yeah, I mean, and that's only the physical component. That's like one component yeah. of many, right? Yeah. I mean, motherhood is such an initiation. I mean, I'm not the same person I was two years ago at all. Like, it, it just changes you at like a cellular level. And it's, it's I, I think so many mothers, this is like such a different conversation than we were originally going to have. It's okay. Um, I think so many mothers society at large does not actually set us up for the journey that motherhood actually is and it doesn't set us up to have a healthy relationship with ourselves on the other side like as a sexual being and um and so i think that a lot of women struggle a lot of women want to be who they were before they had a kid or a lot of women think they should be or a lot of their partners think they should be who they were before they had a kid and um that's not the case it's not this possible. is actually a really good uh, topic and it, and it totally f- uh, is filed underneath um, attraction, um, attraction yeah. and also the bigger umbrella, which is um, healthy relationships. <laughs> Many couples, after having a child, this is what happens. The, um, the woman uh, is now um, having, getting on the journey of reconnecting with herself, her relationship with her body. Um, I don't know any women who has a child and feels sexy and amazing. You know, it, it takes time, right? And then... But I keep... I, I just want to insert here. I want to continue to insert that it's not just the body relationship. No, it's yeah. emotional. Yeah. It's... Like um, the connection dy- to self is like the body is just like one sure. component to well, it. Well, I'm saying the body because uh, I think a, a lot of men, not all men, um, want to continue the sexual routine and it's not fair because people are at different places and then the men get frustrated or put pressure on the women for not having sex or as much sex as before and then suddenly there's conflict, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then if um, the woman does it for the man, there could be now anger, resentment. Which I've done long before I was a mother. Yeah, so... <laughs> If someone is in this situation, what would you recommend? I mean, obviously communication, right? But what would you recommend? What would be the the healthy way to hold hands and kind of both grow from this instead of putting pressure on people? Um, Well, I mean, I I actually had a question about this once. Somebody asked me this question on my Instagram and I, you know, and and from what I got, it was a a woman or a female um, identifying person. And they said you know, partner, not a, basically like love my partner, but not like attracted to them right now. Not really having sex. Don't really want to blah, blah, blah. And like the partner was making an issue. And what I said was, is that nine times out of 10, 
this idea of, oh, I just don't want to have sex with my partner. It's actually not about the partner, right? It's about a disconnection to self. Yeah. And that your lack of sex drive, not always, that's why I say nine times out of 10, but your lack of sex drive so often is about being disconnected from you. So you don't feel you know, satisfied in life. You don't feel connected to people around you. You don't feel- Also, if you're just not happy. You don't feel lit up by the things that you're doing. You don't feel spiritually fulfilled. You don't feel, you know, there's so much that goes into a connection to self. And if you're not connected to self, giving yourself in a bodily way, in a sexual way, um, it just falls so far down on the totem pole because- Unless, unless sex unless is the vice, doing... unless sex is the drug, unless sex is the numb. Right, but I, yeah, and I'm, not, right. I'm not talking about sex in that way, right? Like I'm talking about sex in like Intimacy, a, an intimate, about, yeah. spiritual right, way. Right, right. Um, and yeah, we can all, especially women, can show up and turn our minds off. And I know most women do and have um, and go through the motions and fake the orgasm and check the box and be done. Um, but if you're talking about like, no, I genuinely want to be turned on and be connected in the moment to my partner, then start with connecting to yourself. Or simultaneously, it doesn't have to be one and then the other. Maybe I don't. I don't know if that's possible. I think it's different for everyone. Well, I say that because we're always connecting and disconnecting. Like our relationship with ourselves is like with anyone else. It's 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 not like a light switch where once it's on, it's done. You know, there are days I feel very connected to myself. There are days that I don't. Um, but that doesn't stop my effort to connect with you. So I think there's a, you know, you're, you're spinning two plates. I meant, I guess I meant sexually only. I think it's really hard for women, and I don't want to speak for all women, but I think it's really hard to. I guess my thing is like, let's, let's take the pressure off of needing to sexually connect with your partner when you feel completely disconnected with yourself. Like, let's take that pressure off and just say, why don't you focus on connecting to yourself for a while and see how that goes? Um, because I think what happens, especially in this society, the patriarchal society we live in, if we're just talking about like even just heteronormative here, it is an expectation of the woman to have sex with the man. It is our job to make sure that the man is sexually satisfied. And so there is always a level of, um, it's always in the back of your mind. It's always like on your to-do list. It's always on your list of things that you should be doing is making sure your man is sexually satisfied. You, you don't even apply in that equation. Like it doesn't matter if you want to or not. That's just something you have to do. And so if I have a woman as a client that's coming to me and telling me like what this woman did on Instagram, honestly, my first suggestion is going to be, okay, take that off of your to-do list. You don't have to do that right now. Have a conversation with your partner. Don't do that without talking to them. But if you have that on your to-do list as a to-do, you're not going to connect to yourself because it's going to be a form of resentment. It's going to feel like a should. And you know what? What's happening? Yeah. I've seen this happen before. You take it off your to-do list. Truly take it off your to-do list and have that honest conversation with your partner and truly say, I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to only work on myself. I'm not going to pressure myself to be sexual with my partner if I don't want to be. And then suddenly what I've seen happen multiple times, suddenly you, all, you want to. Not like oh, all right. the time, but right. there's once this... You, well, once you don't have to, then you want right. to. Right. And so I think that both people can benefit from that practice of taking the shoulds off the table. And you know what? It might suck for your partner for a while, but if you guys are in it for the long run and you have a serious conversation with them about where you're at, hopefully they're understanding about it. Speaking of connecting to self, um, I didn't tell you this because there's no, there was no, there's, it's not like something I had to tell you. Um, but we, ha so we have a vacation home. It's new. And we said, um... By the way, there's sirens in the background because we're doing this in our garage. And we live in LA. <laughs> yep, sirens, <clears throat> parrots, all sorts of shit. Um, 
we when we when we when we got up there we were like oh we you know let's uh let's have sex in every room and if you're listening you know you do this too so um there was one room we haven't had sex in two maybe and and then so you know during the day we're like all right let's do it and then of course by the time the evening comes people are tired and you know especially if you have a, a, a child um so i uh uh, I, I got I got some lotion and I took care of myself. I didn't I I noticed that you know I noticed me having the urge to say like okay let's you know ask her or let's hint to her, but then I I noticed that it's not something you, you were in the mood for. You were tired, and I was like just take care of you. Like don't even don't ask. Don't put the pressure. Don't who cares? And so I did. I appreciate that. Yeah, I do actually appreciate that yeah. because that is that is truly like owning it. You know, it's like owning your stuff, like owning yourself and saying, you know what, this just doesn't feel like the, like you said, you're like reading me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, that's something that I actually in my 20s um, wouldn't have done. I would have pouted. I would have been angry. I would have been, you know, like oh, huffy puffy about it. Um, and then it would have been, you know, a thing. So. Well, and this is the thing. I mean, look, this societal expectation that women have of it's our job and our responsibility to make sure our men are satisfied sexually you know, that hurts us. That hurts you as much as it hurts us. Because being raised in a society that also teaches men that it is the responsibility of the woman to take care of them sexually cuts you guys off from true intimacy and connection as well. Right. Well, then, yeah, but then it's just a lot of duties. Well, yeah. Well, it's not only duties, but like then you False all duties. are conditioned to believe that it's our job to take care of you rather than like out the gate learning that like, we talk about codependency all the time. That's that in itself is codependent behavior rather than out the gate being like taught and raised to believe I am my responsibility. She is her responsibility. And we do this when we want to do this versus it's her. And I'm not saying you explicitly think this. This is the tricky thing about the society that we're raised in. It is a very underlying kind of sneaky thing that a lot of men don't even realize they have that belief because it's the same belief that we have. It's our job to do that. And it's not explicit because most of them would be like, no, I would never say it's your job. No, no one's saying you do say that. But this is what it looks like to live in a patriarchal society. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're saying it's programmed. Yeah, totally. And there's a lot of like unprogramming, deprogramming and unwiring that has to happen when you really, truly want to fight against this kind of programming, you know? Yeah, I could see how that cracks uh, 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 intimacy. I could see how that creates walls. I mean, it's also the same as to say like, oh, well, it's a man's job to bring home the bacon or, or make 100%. the money. That harms, Again, hurts us just as much as it hurts, hurts you. the woman yeah. just as much as the man. So yeah, any kind of old belief that um, is a giant should um, that, you're, you know, that, that you're, you're tracing or you're pulling from instead of creating something that is honest to you is going to stunt your growth, you know, in all ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's going to keep you from, yeah, stunting your growth is the best way to put it. It's going to keep you from looking at yourself. It's going to keep you from owning your part. It's going to keep you from moving towards interdependency, and it's going to instead keep you in that codependent way of relating to somebody. It's somebody else's responsibility. It's somebody else's fault. It's, you know, it's not for me to, you know, it's that, it's that way of thinking. And so... Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely stunts your growth if you're not able to kind of challenge that, even if it feels uncomfortable. Because again, it's not explicit. No one's saying like, oh, you're a bad person because you think it's her job. Like, no, no one's saying that. We're saying it's unconscious, but it sucks 
for all for both of us. <laughs> something to uh, something to chew on. It's an ongoing conversation. Yeah. We're gonna end this episode by answering um, uh, one of your questions because we have many. And if we don't, um, I don't love Vanessa, but I, I will feel guilty. <laughs> all right. The question is this. Hang on. I'm pull it back up. Question is: We're on a break, but now they won't talk to me or tell me what's wrong. And then they say using triangulation, which I would say I need more details on that. But just in general, I think this idea of being on a break and somebody maybe like disappearing is something that a lot of people have struggled with. Well, first, my definition of a break is if two people um, share what their intention is on the break. Mm -hmm. It's not one person saying, I'm kind of unsure, leave me alone for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, which is fine. Which, which is do. I don't know if that's a break. That's a breakup. Not necessarily. I did that to you, but there was a... No, but you did that. With, a, you said, you said, give me two weeks. But there was a clear timeline. Right. That's right. what I mean. Well, no, you didn't say timeline. You said that both people are in alignment, which I also agree with, but I think the addition is what you did, what you missed, what you're saying right now, which is you have to have a timeline. I don't think it can be an indefinite amount of time, right? You, you can say like, we both need to go to our separate corners for a month and then reconnect or whatever. I think it's really important to give a timeline also because not having a timeline activates the shit out of people's attachment styles, by the way. Hey, sirens usually get louder and then they, they fade as, as um, they go away, but these just, they've just been going on forever. It's because it's at the hiking trail. Oh. There's a hiking trail down the street from us, and there's yes. a lot of hikers that get hurt and stuff, and there's always fire, fire people right there. <laughs> so, uh, so advice for people on breaks. I would advise, uh, is it really a break? And if it is, what's the goal of the break? Mm -hmm. A lot of people separate without goals yeah, and use it goal. as they use it as an excuse. It's like, oh, fuck, recess. Now I can go play. Yeah, yeah. And then they're out starting things with other people. Recess or I can just completely shut out of the relationship. I don't have to worry about or think about it, which is also not fair. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are scared to really end things. Mm -hmm. um, when I got divorced, she said... Oh, we're just going to separate. Let's just do the paperwork and then we'll get married again. Oh, shit. And I was like, yeah, as, a, as, a young, as a young, naive and unaware and also um, putting up her on a pedestal, I was like, oh, you know, you know, I haven't been able to do things for you before. This is something I really want to do for you. Sure, no problem. Um, the truth was she always wanted a divorce. She didn't have the courage to actually say it. Mm -hmm. So she did it by saying, oh, let's just separate. You know, we just need time apart. Um, so that's not a break, right? That's you being dishonest and not having mm -hmm. enough courage, courage to end things. So is it a break or is it someone a scare, uh, afraid to break up or um, is it escape or is it a reason to go out and see if the, the grass is greener, mm -hmm. if they could go find something better? A lot of people think that by not being clear in their communication, they're being nice and it's the opposite, right? Like if you really wanna be kind, which I am, I'm a big believer and there's a huge difference between being nice and being kind. If you want to be kind to this person, you need to be clear, even if being clear might hurt their feelings. Because not being clear and honest with somebody is actually not nice, it's actually cruel. Yeah, it can be uh, an act of violence in a way, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, so knowing that if, the, if it's a break or not, if it is a break, then there has to be rules. There has to be mm -hmm. some kind of, okay, Timeline okay, here's rules. what we're going to do because we both want this. It's not working right now. Three weeks or three months. Uh, here's the timeline. Here's what we can do as far as keeping in touch. I don't want to FaceTime. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see you. 
but we can text, you know, or let me know how you're doing. So there has to be rules. And then what's the intention of both people? Because if you're just breaking just, you know, to pass time, chances are when you get back together, nothing's going to be done. Right. So during the break, what, be specific things, right? what work are you doing and yeah. what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go see a therapist and talk about these issues and then you're going to go do, you know, whatever. And so there has to be an agreement, yeah, like a program. So then the break is actually productive, productive and <laughs> yeah. there's, there's work. I mean, imagine if you're just going to the gym, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might play with some weights. I don't know. I'll just, maybe I'll talk, talk to a friend. And then, you know, <laughs> you come back and you're like, what did you do? Well, nothing. I just listened to music for a little bit. Okay, well, nothing got done. So there has to be some kind of program during a break if it really is a break. And there has to be a touching base in a mm-hmm. healthy way. Um, and I think breaks can be great. I think separations can actually be something that saves a relationship or a marriage. If there is no communication and it's just like, hey, I'm going to be gone for three months and let's just see what happens. Okay, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You guys yeah. are going to drift and, yeah. and it's not going to work. Nothing's going to happen. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with all that. We have a book club. It's live. It's on Mondays at 1 o'clock and it's on PST. PST and on, it's ongoing. So it's just a direct Zoom link and all you need to get in is to just pre-order a book. So go to uh, my Instagram or Vanessa's Instagram or our websites and uh, just pre-order the book and uh, we will see you live and we can continue not only this conversation um, but uh, all the conversations in the entire book. Yeah, you get a free downloadable, not downloadable, a free e-version, a readable version online so that you can join the book club and actually read through it with us months before the the book comes out. So pre-order and join us on Mondays because we have really awesome in-depth conversations about the chapters in the book. Thank you for listening. Be well. Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordeaux, Lumia Coach Training. And it's amazing. It's 100% live and online, meaningful evidence-based education, real people, real community, ICF accredited to with 20 diverse instructors in a thriving alumni community. Go to theangrytherapist.com and click on Become a Coach and explore Lumia Coach Training. I'll see you in class.